0: to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, Bethelbible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. So let's walk back through this and look at verse, beginning at verse 18 again, the, the narrative of the birth of Jesus through the gospel of Matthew. He says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. And Matthew is going to present to us the birth of Christ, but not in a sentimental way, but in a very supernatural one. In fact, what verse 18 does, it ties the story of Jesus' birth back to the genealogy. And that's how the gospel begins. And it walks through just a list of names of so-and-so was the son of so-and-so. And so-and-so the son of so-and-so for verse after verse. But look at verse 16 because it's something that is unique to the gospel of Matthew in his genealogy. When you're going name after name and father after father. In verse 16 it changes. Because it says the Jacob, the father of Joseph the Mary of uh, the husband of Mary whom Jesus was born who is called Christ in fact the birth of Jesus is different if you look back through this genealogy than any other Jewish boy named there because Joseph is not listed as the father of Jesus Do you notice that it says that Joseph, or Jacob, the father of Joseph. But when it gets to Joseph, it says the husband of Mary. That he is not listed as the one that is the father of Jesus. Because we know that Jesus was born of an earthly mother. Without the need of an earthly father. And this is the doctrine that we stand on on the virgin birth. That every child born in the world is a totally new creature, except when we get to Jesus. Because Jesus, being eternally God, he existed before Mary and Joseph, or any of his earthly ancestors. In fact, Jesus was older than Mary and Joseph. Because here's the key to this. If Jesus was conceived and born just like every other baby, then he could not be God. Because Jesus had to be able to take on our humanity, become flesh, but not inherit our sin nature. And now Matthew will introduce to us Mary and Joseph. But for Joseph, he's going to be faced with many challenges. And he's the one I want us to kind of hone in on today. That Joseph is going to be called to give Jacob the, the lesser for something greater. In fact, this is a challenge that all of us face if we are going to believe that the one born of a virgin over 2,000 years ago is the Son of God. Here's the three challenges that he will face. In fact, something to give up. Joseph is going to be challenged to give up his comfort, his control, and he's even going to be challenged in the conviction of his own life. So let's look at this first one that Joseph is called to abandon or to give up his comfort And believe and here we get the introduction when his mother mary was betrothed to joseph and so matthew he's going to present this story in a supernatural entry of jesus into the world of god coming into the world he's coming as a baby through the womb of mary and jesus is coming into their lives But he's going to do this not in a way they would have expected and not in any way that they could have planned. But we need to realize this about Mary and Joseph. Even though they had this incredible privilege of bringing God's son into the world, they still had to come face to face with their own need of a savior. And they still had to be called to believe and to trust in this child. They are not exempted from that. And it says here that in their young lives, Mary and Joseph, he told us they were betrothed. Maybe the closest thing we have is being engaged, but it's even really stronger than that because it's almost equivalent to marriage. In fact, they would have been, this Mary and Joseph, they would have come together, and at this point, they were betrothed. They were seen as husband and wife, but for a year, they did not live together. It was customary to have this one-year waiting period. A lot of times the husband would go back to where he lived and he would begin adding on to his father's house and building a home for his new bride. She would return to her home in this year of preparation. But it was a waiting period for this young couple to demonstrate the faithfulness of their pledge of purity to one another. And for a year they waited. They waited. But in this one year of waiting period, if that pledge was broken, if that pledge of purity was broken, the marriage could be annulled. And notice how the scripture continues. For before they came together, we're in that one year waiting period, she, Mary, was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So in this waiting period, Joseph hears news that would have really been devastating. Joseph is here and he is now faced with a dilemma. His wife, his betrothed, she's pregnant. And Joseph doesn't know all things, but he knows this. He knows that he is not the father. And when you look at Deuteronomy 22, you see the law for what if this happens. If this was to be found in this one-year waiting period, the husband could bring the wife before the elders. He would present her before the elders, and if she was found to be unfaithful, they would take her to the city square, and she would be stoned to death. If the allegation was false, the man would be whipped. In fact, one writer says it this way. Jesus was coming into Joseph's life. Just as he was about to come in, Joseph at this point was standing right on a cliff, And he was about to sweep away the coming Christ. He was about to take Jesus out of his life. Jesus was coming in. And Joseph was about to arrange things so that it wasn't going to happen. And according to the law, Joseph had every right to do that. However, we read in verse 19. And her husband Joseph, being a just man... And unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. It says that he loved Mary and he did not want to see his betrothed stoned. So he comes with a plan to divorce her quietly. But the truth is, there is probably no real way for that to be done. There's no real way for this to be dealt with quietly. Because it wouldn't take long before Mary would not be able to hide her pregnancy. And certainly not after the child was born. So in preparation, the angel comes to Joseph in verse 20. But as he has considered these things, as he thought through all the options, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And so the angel is going to tell Joseph two things. One, he tells him, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. So what would Joseph be fearing in this and continuing to take her as his wife? One, maybe it was his reputation being ruined. Maybe the blow to his pride if he was to do this. Or maybe it would be the scorn and the shunning from people when they do the math of the wedding day and the birth of the son. He's putting everything on the line and continuing down this path with Mary. But the second thing that he tells Joseph, the angel, he says, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So think about those words to Joseph for just a moment. Because Mary, she's young. She's got her whole life ahead of her. This picture-perfect life is about to be ruined. That she'd be cut off from her family. Ostracized by friends. Shunned by the community that she grew up in. In fact, it's not going to matter what she says. Who in the world would believe her that, yes, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit? So for Joseph... For Joseph to receive Jesus into his life at this point, if he marries Mary, her disgrace is going to become his. In fact, the only way he could be freed from it all was to divorce her. Then it would be clear that she was the one that was unfaithful. But if he marries her, And this child, in the next three to four months after they get married, it's going to be clear to the whole world that they had been unfaithful to God together. Or so they would think. And so at this point, Joseph is called to abandon. He is called to give up all of his comfort to believe in God. And so the angel to Joseph, he's saying this. For all of this, it's going to cost you through all the disdain you're going to endure, through all the comfort you are going to have to give up, through all the plans you are going to sacrifice, through it all, there's something better. So Joseph is called in this to abandon all of his comfort and to believe. But there's something else that Joseph is called to give up or to lay down. Joseph is going to be called to give up control. And you see it in verse 21. It's a little subtle. But he says, she, the angel says that she will bear a son. And you, Joseph, shall call his name Jesus. Now this is a very striking verse. Because notice here that Joseph will not be the one to name the child. In fact, it may not seem that odd to us. But in the first century, This would have struck out to them because naming a child was done by the father. And when a father would do this, naming something was more than just simply a label or a way that you could tell people apart. That naming was an act of authority. It implied submission and control. That you had authority in naming something. That this something I'm naming is going to come underneath my care and my control. Your parents, we name our children. They are ours. They're ours to to lead. They're ours to nurture. They're ours to feed. There's ours to take care of. You create a business and it comes underneath your control and you're the one to name it. Or you get a pet. and Yours runs away and then you catch it in the next few days as it happened in our house. But you name that pet and that pet comes underneath your care. You name it. And they are yours. They're under your care. They're under your control. You make the decisions. But the angel tells Joseph, But you're not going to name the child. God is naming him. In fact, you are to receive this child into your life, but he's not under your control. You are actually going to become under his. And the same is true when we come to Christ, he is not under our control. We come underneath his. We don't get to name him or invent him or manage him. Jesus is not whatever we want him to be as long as he makes me healthy, wealthy, and wise. That is not the Jesus of the Bible. That he comes to rule and to reign our lives. That he comes to make us his. And Joseph in these verses is called to give up comfort And he is called to give up control. That yes, you're going to father this child and raise him. But ultimately, you will be giving up control to him. But there's a third thing. Because it doesn't end there. You see it in the end of verse 21. That Joseph, even though he's going to be the father, the earthly father of Jesus, the son of God. He still has to be confronted with the conviction of his own sin. Verse 21 goes on to say, For he will save his people from their sins. That even in the very name of Jesus, you see the mission that he is coming. In fact, Joseph, like you and me, if we are to receive Jesus into our lives, we are going to be confronted with the reality that you are in need of a rescue from sins. And I would say that is the reason for Christmas. In fact, Jesus' name here, there's two parts to it that outline his very mission. Look at verse 22. He says, and all of this took place to fulfill what God had spoken to the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That in a manger in Bethlehem, God does the very thing that he promised and that he said that he would do. That he is going to send a savior, a Messiah. And his name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this is what makes Christmas such a supernatural event in the virgin birth. It makes it the most loving act the world has ever seen or ever will see. That Christmas is more than our search for God. It's more than just cinemas and, and lights and the smell of cookies and decorations and presents and movies and songs and even great memories. That Christmas, it's about God coming to us. It is about God personally entering the world to be with us. But there's a second name that we've seen. We'll see again in verse 24 and 25. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took his wife. But knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. This name Jesus means um, Jehovah. Is salvation. Because think about it, why did Jesus need to come as a Savior? Why not as a great teacher or a leader or even a priest? It's because of our need of rescue. That without the incarnation, this is something that's true of everyone that has ever breathed breath on this earth, that without the incarnation, our only hope, and your only hope, and my only hope of surviving this life and the life to come is who you are. Without the incarnation, that is your only hope. And you and I will never be enough. We'll never be able to overcome our biggest problem of sin. So Jesus had to come to us. And you know why he does it? It's because he's for us. That he came. To be our Savior. To do so, He had to be with us. Therefore, He must be for us. So, with Joseph, this is what I see with him. Man, He is called to an incredible opportunity to be the Father of Jesus. He's gonna show Him how to grow up and He's gonna show Him different things of what it means to be a man. He's gonna lead Him in the best way that He can. But in that moment, When he hears news of his betrothed being with child, he is called to give up all of his comfort. He's going to be commanded to give up control. And ultimately, he will be confronted with conviction of his own sin. And this Christmas, if it's just sentiments, and it's just about food and presents and being together with family, and those are great things. But are we really going to be satisfied with just a few carols and the lighting of a few trees? Because the truth is, we will never, we will never know the fullness of Christmas until we know the emptiness of everything but Christmas. That Christmas really is a call to give up these things that are much lesser for something that is greater. And when it comes to truly knowing, experiencing, following Jesus, it will be a scary thing because just like Joseph you know what you're going to be called to do you're going to be called to give up comfort you're going to be called to give up control and we will become face to face with our own need of a savior but without Jesus my greatest hope for surviving this life and the life to come is who I am that will never be enough